So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Bienvenidos, señores y señores, to another episode of the Bleed Lows Podcast. This episode of the Bleed Lows Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. Everything from pro and college basketball to UFC, MMA, and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. With live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable, Bet Online is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, B L E A V, to receive your rewards. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. And joining us on the carne asada is Nicole Fernandez, who is from Los Mayores. She is the social media coordinator. Nicole, ¿cómo estás? Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here and meet you guys. And I didn't know I'm um, what, carne asada? Yeah, well, we call <laughs> we call ourselves the carne asada. We're the Bleed okay. podcast, right? Okay. But we call ourselves, I know you're Colombiana, but us Mexicans, <laughs> we look for an excuse to have a carne asada all the gotcha. time, right? Gotcha. And okay. what we do, and usually as a kid, I remember we, we used to do this after a game, after we either it was either baseball or football, you get in the backyard, we go to the store, you buy carne asada, and then we just sit around, right? And then mm -hmm. we just... We talk about it. I guess to me, it's the equivalent of what the barbershop is to African-Americans. Gotcha. Okay. The carne asada is to Latinos. So, you know, right. I'm glad you asked me that because I think some of our <laughs> listeners might be wondering, why do they call themselves the carne asada? Carne asada. The bleedless, are they the bleedless <laughs> podcast or are they the carne asada? But Who do you know? That, that's, well, as you said it. So I think it's like someone's happy hour, but you say carne asada. That's right. That's right. So we wanted to have you on the show. I, I want to start off first by, could you let us know, let our, our listeners and our viewers know, what is Las Mayores? Okay, well, Las Mayores is MLB in Spanish, pretty much. <laughs> so we're like just the Spanish voice for MLB, you could say. So like MLB.com, but the Spanish version, is that what it is? Well, it's a little bit more broader. Um, okay. I could say from my experience in my department, we are... I work in social media, so we're helping out with like the Spanish accounts of the teams. Okay. So. so to me, that's what leads me to my next point here. I feel the growth of baseball has become international. We are mm -hmm. long past the time where baseball was just a sport in the United States. Now, I mean, you, you see it on the field. You see where all these players, we have mm -hmm. Asian players. Of course, we have Latin players. That's where the growth is. So the fact that, well, I'm starting to see more organizations, more teams, actually, you know, a couple of weeks ago, there was a story we had Sam Bloom from The Athletic on the Angels. 
uh, we were talking off air about Shohei Otani. The Angels have a big presence with the Japanese. And it mm -hmm. makes sense because it's Shohei Otani. But you would think where the Angels are located, they would not neglect their Latino audience, which is what it seems the Angels are doing. Mm -hmm. Las Mayores is primarily for, for Latinos or Spanish speakers, right? How right. important in your eyes is that to, to not lose sight of that audience and, and not take them for granted? I think it's very important. I mean, again, speaking on, on my behalf and not on the company I work for, but I think it's the players that are upcoming, they're Latino and proud. And I think in order to keep up that momentum along with the players, they need to reach out to the fans. So I think each team, of course, does their own thing independently. And as a, as a league, we'll try to do as much as we can. But personally, I think baseball is internationally. I've been to Mexico for La Serie del Caribe two years ago. I was in Mazatlán. And it blew my mind how amazing that stadium was. I'm like, do people know that in Mazatlán, Mexico, there's this amazing baseball stadium? Because that's where you see how much people love this game and it, it goes beyond the United States. So what's so amazing about that stadium? Cause we, we had Benji Gill on uh, and he told us that the stadiums in the Mexican league are, are bigger. What made that, uh, that stadium special for you? Well, for me, it was right after like during the pandemic, City del Caribe, I went with a friend and I don't know, it just the first day there was maybe like 50, 60,000 people with masks, of course. But I don't know, it's something you can't describe. It's like this energy. People were excited to watch the game. There were fireworks. Like It was something I've never seen maybe in another country. And I saw it in Mazatlán, Mexico. And I was like, Do, if people only knew the power that sports have, that baseball has, that it, it crosses languages, it crosses barriers and countries. And I don't know, it was pretty amazing for me to see that in Mazatlán, Mexico, how they live baseball, so you know. So you, I mean, you had the, you covered an actual World Cup, right? You were in, in Russia, right? Well, I was in Miami covering Russia. <laughs> oh, okay. I was going to ask you, how does it feel I that environment I in the Serie del Caribe? How does that compare to other sporting events? I mean, I think I've been lucky enough in my career to do baseball and soccer, mm -hmm. but I still think that soccer has something, I don't know, that I think it's, Maybe it's a sazon, you want to say? That it's something very... I saw the World Cup. I would wake up at 8 in the morning to watch the World Cup. And it was amazing to see how a sport can bring people together again. I don't want to sound like I'm repeating myself, but I just think that's what sports represents. And I think soccer has that sazon because maybe they, you know, they invested so much in it. How do some people from New York City watch a game from Germany? Because they have that fan base, you know, they, they appeal to them. So I think in order for baseball to grow, I think we need to keep doing that. And as teams or as fans and as the players itself, you know, um, maybe I'm too ahead of myself, but I started my nonprofit to help kids in Colombia grow in this team. I mean, in the sport, sorry. So I think other people should do the same because in other countries, I think there's the want and, but there's the need of equipment, right? So I think we can all put in our little, how is it, plant a seed in order for it to grow. And I think as journalism, we're the voice of, of many, whether it be baseball, athletes, or countries. And I think we should go ahead and do that to, to support the sport. 
Nicole, since this is your first time on the Condensada, hopefully one of many times that you'll be on the Condensada, we just want to let you know, I, I hate to be a dick and correct you, but we refer <laughs> to it here by its real name, and that's football. So feel free oh, to okay. say football. You Perfect. don't have to El say football. soccer. <laughs> Our audience is not dumb. They know what it's really called. It's called football. Football. Uh, well, it's like it's Colombia, no Colombia. It, it, there we go. Exactly. You know, we need, we're here to educate the masses, right? So yeah. we say football and we refer to the other one as American football. Gotcha. So okay. For, for the clarification there. But your job <laughs> is very interesting to me because I think what's interesting or what's necessary to grow the sport, not only are mm -hmm. they growing it internationally, is personalities. I think mm -hmm. it benefits. I think the NBA is really good at this. Mm -hmm. I think the NFL um, does this well. And that's showing the personality, showing who these players are. And I think social media does that. Uh, we had a friend of the Carnesada, Joe Kelly, recently on the show. And Joe Kelly doesn't hold back. Joe <laughs> Kelly tells it exactly how it is. And that's how I wish more baseball players would do that. You write, you edit your own stories, you do them both in English and in Espanol, but social media is basically, I think, the best way to get information out there now, right? Correct. And being your own, I what I like to tell the Clement players that I know is you're you're a brand. You're just you're not just a baseball player, right? So I think as journalists too, and that's what social media does. Like I'm on here because of social media. You know, you guys reach out to me, and I think it's so amazing because if it wasn't for social media we wouldn't be able to connect as we do, right? So if we don't see maybe a story being told on TV, then I think if we have the power to do so, we should do that. You know, I think, again, as journalists, we have the voice of many. And if you see a story, go ahead and, and do it. That's when I started my YouTube channel. That's when I decided to do both English and Spanish because there wasn't, I didn't see that growing up. You either have to speak English or Spanish, but what about in between? You know, what about people like me who are born here? but see the news or watch football in Espanol because it's different, right? Yeah. So I think with new generations, with social media, if it's done right, we can reach not only people in the U.S., but globally as well. So it's I a mean, powerful you, tool. You, you've you interviewed a lot of players. I mean, one of the people you interviewed was uh, Salvador Perez, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, of the Royals. Let me ask you this. When I, I feel my times that I've been in the locker room, I get this vibe that the players just don't want to talk to anyone on the press or and if they do talk you're going to get the same generic answers <laughs> they're going to say a lot of words but they're really not saying anything how do you approach a player to let them know look you can trust me i'm here to spotlight you i'm not here to to get you and i get it there's a lot of vibes especially columnists yeah. that give off that yeah. vibe that i'm going to nail you or that yeah. negativity <laughs> sells you know if you can it seems a lot that if you can just talk smack on someone or put someone down, that's going to get clicks, right? Exactly. As opposed to trying to highlight that. How do you manage that line? Because at the same time, you are a journalist and Correct. you have a commitment to the truth. Correct. Well, the players I interviewed during that period, which was Instagram Lives for La Vida Baseball when I was with them freelance, it was during the pandemic. So everyone was at home. So I got to do more than 25 Instagram Lives and I got to interview one of them was Salvador Perez and he was in his bedroom just like, what's up? So I think maybe since it was a pandemic, it was he was at his home, I was at mine and it was just more like a chiller vibe, right? 
But I guess you also have to use that opportunity just to talk to them, right? And I think my experiences of going to Colombia with my nonprofit or as a professional, I can relate to a lot of Latin players because I know where they come from, right? So it's yeah. not about maybe asking the question is how you ask it or not saying, oh, you came from poverty. It's, oh, what do you remember most when you were growing up? And he'll come and tell me, you know, a special memory. I just think it's about how you approach them. Um, last year, I was able to interview Eugenio Suarez from the Seattle Mariners. Along with Julio Rodriguez, I had the idea to interview them for Mother's Day to do something for Las Mayores. And they were like, okay, go for it. I asked him five simple questions, uh, five simple questions. And Eugenio Suarez, the first his first sentence, he started to cry. And I was with somebody, he's like, you just made this player cry. I'm like, I did not expect him to cry. I'm like, I'm so sorry. He's like, no, no, it's fine. It's just, you asked me about my mom. And, you know, it's just, again, it's how you ask these questions. I was like, hi, my name is Nicole. Like, you speak both? Whoa. I think it's just relating to them as, as people. They're not okay. They're athletes, of course, but a lot of them have stories and maybe a lot of people don't give off a good vibe or can relate to them on their level as a human being. I see them and I'm like, okay, whatever. Maybe he's took five, but you're just there to do your job. And I think it's more than interviewing. It's more of a conversation as how we're doing right now. It's a conversation. I don't know you, but... You're giving me good vibes and it's just flowing. And I think that's how it should be for every athlete, whether it's football, whether it's baseball, or whether it's American football. It's all about having that conversation and not so letting you get, I guess, to get flustered. I need to ask these questions. I mean, I get nervous on something. I'm like, oh, man, that is this person right there. But you just got to keep it together <laughs> so do you have the barbara walters reputation now i mean like when they see you coming do they go oh this girl's gonna make me cry no i don't think so i'm not there yet i don't think a lot of them <laughs> know me there <laughs> but i mean it was good because for example for julio rodriguez i interviewed i interviewed like four players that came to miami on a friday when i get back home at two of the interviews the mic wasn't correctly put so there was no interview I told my boss, he's like, you have to go back tomorrow. And I was like, traga mi tierra. What do I do? Worst case scenario, like, why is this happening to me? So I go back the next day. I'm kind of like, you know, the puppy that's in the corner. Uh, I knew the PR person, like, hey, he's like, oh, you're back again. I'm like, well, I had this minor inconvenience. No worries. I'll get them again for you. Of course, this time, I know they didn't cry, but he still oh. did the interview. But it was, again, if maybe if I wouldn't have that, maybe that relationships established from yesterday, he would have been like, I don't want to do the interview. I talked to her yesterday. That's it. But yeah. I guess since you were that approachable and you, I was just like three questions very fast. He even told me, no, I llorar. I'm like, tranquilo, no <laughs> but I was like, afterwards, like, okay, good. They did the interview. But again, they could have been like, no, because they didn't have to do it. But maybe because they, they, I gave them good vibes or whatnot. You weren't rude either. Cause sometimes I've been there and, I'm like, this journalist really asked that question. And the, the athlete looks at them, next question. So sometimes, pagamos los platos rotos por los demás, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. We have some other people, other podcasts that ask really bad questions or they do bad interviews and they just assume, I'm not going to do another podcast. It's exactly. going to be exactly. another way. I mean, if I tell you the number of times that people go, okay, I'll give you five minutes, 20 minutes later, we're still talking. Exactly. It's it's exactly what you I we know what you're I talking agree. about yeah. there. So it, it's just I I ask you only just because I, I feel if 
if we're the fans and we we know stuff about this guy, we're more willing to maybe root for them or when True. they're going through the slumps, which is inevitable in baseball. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a game of failure. You might have a little more empathy for him if you kind of know, True. hey, you know what he's going through. I mean, lately out here, the Dodgers have had a lot of players do a lot of philanthropy. They're doing a lot of events to help the community. And I think it's important for us to focus on 100%. that stuff, right? Yes. Like this is what they're doing because it's so easy to get caught up in the fact that, oh, the guy went one for 10 in a playoff series. This guy Correct. didn't do anything. And it's what you said. He He's a human being. Mm -hmm. So uh, you had mentioned La Vida Baseball. And I, I mean, we're fans of La Vida Baseball. We love that they focus on, on Latino players. We had La Chica Deportes on, uh, mm -hmm. on, the, on the show. So I don't know if you're familiar with her. Yes, I worked with them for almost a year. So mm -hmm. yeah, she was like the main person to, that was on the show that time. <laughs> so she, she was telling us about like that first time walking into a dugout. You know, nobody knows who you are. And you feel like you have to prove yourself. I know that you worked for the Marlins for a little bit, but before the Marlins, what was your first, what, what was the first baseball stadium that you walked in there as a member of a media? And, and how did that experience go for you? I think the first time that I can recall, I was in Colombianos MLB, which is like a Instagram page. They didn't pay me, but I was there for almost two years. I did it for experience, for exposure. I got to be a producer, editor, and we needed content, right? And the guy's like, oh, it's spring training, 2018. We don't have the content. I'm like, I'll go to Arizona. He's like, what? I'm like, I'll go to Arizona. Why not? It was, and again, we had to prove myself exactly like that. But since we kind of had that relationship with the player, meaning they followed the page, it was an easy like, hey, can we go interview? Sure. Come here five minutes. So I went to like five different stadiums. I interviewed over 10 different players who are back then were in the minor leagues or they're currently now in MLB. One of them is Gio Urshela. He used to be with Cleveland Indians back in the day. And I got to interview him. And again, it was a proving yourself, but people also knew me. Oh, it's Nicole from Colomenos MLB. Okay, I'll give her five minutes. So I, I think it's when you establish a relationship, I can say with, I think it's very important to start off with minor league players. Mm -hmm. Because once they get to the big leagues, they'll remember you. They're like, oh, that's the girl who did interview me. And these guys want to interview me now. I'll call her. Yeah. Because I've experienced that, right? So I guess my first experience was spring training in Arizona, which was amazing for me because I'm used to Florida. Everything is so far away. Mm -hmm. And in Arizona, everything is like in the same radius. <laughs> uh -huh. So I think it's just about being yourself. I think uh, when you're young and you're a student, because I used to do that, you compare yourself with other journalists. And I, as I mentioned, there weren't many Latinas growing up in sports or if you have to be more, it was mostly American football and you're like, I like baseball. I don't, or you'll be like, as football. I'm like, but I don't like football. I like baseball. <laughs> so I don't know. I think it's just finding your own path. It can be intimidating. I still get nervous when I go to the stadium because the player can tell you no. Yeah. But I think if you go there with, and they'll know your, they pick up on your vibes. I'm a very vibe person. They handshake, look five minutes, you answer what you don't want to answer, or you answer what you do, and that's it. So you keep it cordial, because something I think maybe players feel like they have to answer, and if they don't want to, the guy keeps pressing, and the mic is on their face. And <laughs> so I just, I think it's about being yourself, and the jitters, I think it's good because it gives you I don't know, it tells you that you're so passionate about what you're doing. 
the adrenaline. So you Correct. haven't you haven't had what we like to refer to in the business. Have you ever been Popoviched? Do you know who Greg Popovich is? No, I I don't. Sorry. <laughs> so Greg, Greg Popovich is a basketball coach who's very very well known for just being very short and curt with reporters, sideline reporters. Mm -hmm. He clearly and he he had, I think gets off on on trying to make them look bad. So you've never <laughs> had an experience with a player who, let's say, like you said, they don't want to do it. Maybe they don't like your question. You know, it's like how, you have a short amount of time when you're interviewing someone sure. like that. It's like, how do you earn their trust so quickly? So you haven't had any bad experiences. I've had, I could say maybe with teams that the PR is right next to them. So they can't really Got say it. much. And you're like, okay, I know he's being, yes, no. Okay. Thank you. I'm like, okay, I get it. But I could say that with the player, I haven't, fortunately I have not been, Maybe in person, you know, but I know it's part of it. I'm prepared if they say no. Look, I was prepared for for the next day for Uhaina to be like, <laughs> no. <laughs> I was mentally, I'm like, who else can I ask? But, you know, I guess I've been fortunate in that department. <laughs> so you, you briefly did some uh, social media for, for the Miami Marlins. How uh, how was that experience? Was it a year that they actually had a good team, or was it a year that they, they it was just like who the hell are these guys? And I, I feel like those Miami fans are starving for good baseball, and I feel <laughs> so bad for them because I don't know every year what they're gonna get. I mean, for the Marlins, I never worked directly. I was when mm. I was in La Vida Baseball, I was like a South Florida correspondent, and I attended a couple events, so I haven't worked okay. directly with the Marlins. Um, for me, it's it's a little hard, yes, you're right, to show your team, but it's also kind of like bittersweet because it's my home my home team, right? Yeah. I know them from Florida Marlins to Miami Marlins and all the different involvements of the team. I think growth is good. You know, I think we all have to be patient, but it's nice to have a local team, and I guess we'll see how it goes. Each year, we're like, what's going to change now? <laughs> but... Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. We have a good stadium, too. At least that's something. Every time I go to the stadium, I hear people in the back like, whoa, this stadium's amazing. I'm like, yes, we have a nice stadium. <laughs> we so have the, AC in an open, they open the roof and we have AC. How about that? So did you like that, that statue that they had before they took it out? The one out in the outfield? I mean, I didn't mind it, but it wasn't, for me, it didn't say baseball, right? Yeah. It was more like maybe at a local amusement park or something, but hey. To each their own. <laughs> I, I want to switch gear, gears to the World Baseball Classic. I'm mm -hmm. very excited about it this year. You covered the one in the last one, right? In 2017? Yes, 2017. It was so, amazing. Let me ask you this. Are you getting the same vibe as I am? I, I have not felt this kind of excitement for this tournament. I, I the, Maybe it's the fact that the American team is going all in and you finally are seeing like a loaded lineup because I feel like the other countries have always taken it more seriously. But I mean, then again, the United States won the last one, right? Correct. But do you feel that excitement? Is this maybe a turning point for this tournament? I think so. I think also because uh, the pandemic came and it, this, I think this tournament was rescheduled. Yeah. So people were excited and then they're like, Oh no, we have to keep waiting. So I think the anticipation, people are excited for what's to come. I also think more teams are getting more prepared, more hyped up 
and maybe you, Team USA is like, oh, we're watching what they're doing. I don't know if you've watched La Serie del Caribe, but um, the Dominican Republic won in Venezuela, but it was a head-to-head with Venezuela, Mexico, and Colombia. And, it, you know, I think teams are – there are more kids who have more opportunities to play for their teams cause, because if they don't play in the big leagues, they play for La Serie del Caribe and they play in other – like the Mexican league. I know Colombians that we're seeing through the Serie del Caribe and are currently playing in Mexico – So I think now there's more opportunities for more kids to play. And I think guys now are hungry because it's one thing to say you play for the MLB and it's another to play for your country and have that name across your chest. Because that was something that in 2017, when I would ask them, oh, ¿cómo se siente jugar para Colombia? They're like, I can't explain it to you. Es un orgullo, se me sale el corazón ver a Colombia aquí. When you go up to bat, you know, veo un equipo, veo Colombia, representando Colombia. And I'm sure that happens to every other player, sea Mexico, sea Canada, whoever. You're representing your country, and that's. I think the World Baseball Classic is like Olympics, you know, for baseball. So I think that's why people are excited. You know, it comes every other year, so people are excited and we're hungry for it. I say. So we're we're trying to preview. We're very interested in pool seat and. We're mm-hmm. interested in it because it's the closest one to us. We got <laughs> the United States is in there. Mexico is in there. Mm-hmm. But your Colombianos are in there. And <laughs> yes. I, don't, I don't know anything about this team. So I want to start off first with this. Okay. In Colombia, and I want you to speak for this whole country. It's okay. You can, <laughs> you can speak for them. Is baseball that popular? Is it the most popular sport or is football? the most popular sport football is still the main sport in colombia you could say but i think baseball has grown more the last couple of years now i i go back and there's a museum they've played baseball maybe even before the 1940s but i just think that scouts wouldn't go there so the back then those players didn't have the opportunity to play abroad right and now with this the scouts are going the players are you know we have a couple in major league baseball people are starting to see, oh, Colombians play. And it's mostly in La Costa, which is Barranquilla, Cartagena. It's where most of these players that are currently in the MLB are from and where baseball is played. So I think Colombians want to play more baseball. I think there still needs to be more support, even from media. You put on the media, everything is football, 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 one baseball news, football, football, football. And then you're like, but again, that's when social media also comes to play. And I think there's more upcoming journalists and things like that trying to support the sport in Colombia. So as this roster, the rosters were just recently announced, Mm -hmm. looking at this Colombian roster, uh, who are the standouts? Who are the people that we uh, should be keeping an eye on who may do damage in this tournament? Oh, there's a couple. I mean, currently, like I mentioned, Gio Urshela, who's now with the Angels. Mm -hmm. Um, He's been in the Yankees. I think he's a good porte. We have Jorge Alfaro, who's a catcher. Currently, I think he might be in the Boston Red Sox. And I think these players who have Major League Baseball experience, I guess they know what they're coming for and they've played in the years previous. So they're prepared for what's to come. And I think there's younger players. There's Gustavo Campero, who currently was in La Serie del Caribe. And they showed, he showed along with other players that they're good in this game and they deserve a spot to play. And look at him now in the World Baseball Classic. So I think we have a good mix of I would say veterans, as in players who are in, currently in MLB, players who are in the minor league baseball, and they're just excited to match together and learn from each other and, like I mentioned, represent their country across their chest. So do they have any rivalries? 
I, I mean, I, it seems like the Canadians and the Mexicans seem to have a rivalry from the last time there was a World Baseball Classic. Well, this was a, a few World Baseball Classics before there was a famous uh, brawl out on, on the field. But it seems like the Dominicans and the Puerto Ricans have a rivalry. Do the Colombianos have a rivalry with anybody? I personally would like would say from my experience the Dominicans because no. last year Colombia won La Serie del Caribe in Dominican Republic against Dominican Republic. You know, so there's this little, you know, como dicen un rascarraca, un pica pica. <laughs> and I remember in 2017 when Colombia played DR in Miami, I think people thought, oh, DR is going to win. But Colombia came to play. There was home runs. There was, you felt that tense energy in that stadium. It was like nothing you could, I've ever experienced. And I think there's still like, okay, like, oh, you remember back in, yeah, last WBC? And, you know, they're going to be walking, you know, with their head up. Maybe Venezuela too. I'm not sure 100%, but Colombia, Venezuela, they're right next to each other. But Venezuela has, I feel more support, more, more Venezuelan players. So I think we're all, it's going to be a nice, Mix, get your popcorn ready. <laughs> so, are the are the Dominicanos basically like the Yankees of the Caribbean? Is is that how everybody else views them? I think I see them like that because yeah. I mean they just export and export baseball players, and it's like the main sport of the country, right? right. So, when you watch again, Serie del Caribe, because that's when I've seen them in, in DR, people go all out. So, they love that sport, and there's so many stories of players. Or guys who didn't make it to the MLB, but they become coaches or whatnot. So I think they they breathe and live baseball in the Dominican Republic. So where did your love of baseball come from? Because you're, I mean, you're, you're, you were born in Florida, right? Correct, in Miami. I'm a gringa colombiana, as I mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, I remember my first baseball game, which was a Florida Marlins game. And it was like an older stadium. And I went with my I went with my dad and his friends and their kids. And I remember sitting down, I was like, wow, this is like a nice experience. And I think for me, I've always, from then on, my love for baseball became stronger because for me, it was a way to unite both of my cultures, right? My American and Colombian, just because it was something that I could see with my dad, I'll see with my family. And then when I started getting older and going back to Colombia, uh, my mom's friends, kids were baseball players. So I'm like, oh, they play baseball in Colombia? And they're like, yeah, you've never been? Come to the stadium. So. I don't know. So that's how I guess my my love for the game started because it was a way to connect both of my cultures. And that's when I saw, oh, no matter what language you speak, it's still the same game. So I guess that's when I fell in love with baseball when I was a teenager. And then when I went to college, I was like, I need to do sports journalism. I do not want to do news. And then everything out of college was like American football, American football. And they're like, no, I want to do baseball. And they're like, no, do football. I'm like, but why can't I do baseball? <laughs> so I still think there needs to be more support, I guess, for journalism and baseball play, you know, baseball journalism. I, I find it interesting because I, I do think that the reason why American football is so popular is, is not only because of the gambling aspect of it. It's once a week. It's easy. It's it's easy to follow. It's not like baseball where it's 162 games every day <laughs> you're going through it. But I also feel like the coverage, like they push American football down our throats, whether we like yes. it or not. And if there was maybe that same push, I, I would love to see the day where baseball be, goes back to being America's pastime. But I, 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 I think we need a little more... Uh, 
I think we need more better. We need better and more better. Jeez. Uh, we, I think we need better, <laughs> better marketing people in baseball because you got to talk to one of the most exciting players in baseball uh, up in Seattle, you know, with Rodriguez. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I, I feel like the whole country should know how good that dude is. I mean, yes. we, we saw it a little bit in the home run derby, but that kind of stuff to me is is interesting and i think one of the other things that's really understated is how pot i don't think i i want to say it's 50 50 but the number of ladies females that are baseball fans is underreported i, I mean <laughs> yeah. there are so many females that are like diehard fans and not casual like they will yeah. drop knowledge is yes. it like that down there in Miami? Um, I don't think so. I think from what I experienced here in Miami, it's very much more like passed down from family. Like my, my abuelo used to watch it, so he would take me to the game, and then my, my dad, so it was my dad, my abuelo, and me. I, from the what I've experienced in Miami, it's more like a traditional family passed down, maybe. And then my, my friend's brother played baseball, and then Fulanito, and, you know, I think it's like a different vibe. Not just to to say that it's only in Miami, but I think there's so much going on too. Nowadays, you can decide: Do I want to watch baseball, basketball, movie, Netflix, this, this, and that? Yeah. So there's so much going on, even with social media. Do I want to watch the news or do I want to go on Twitter? Yeah. So I think there's so many options that people now, I guess, have the luxury to decide where they want to spend their time on. So I guess that's also reflects in sports, you know. And it's unfortunate, but I think that's why it's important for for example, if when I have a family, tell my kid, do you want to play baseball? Do you want to play football? Do you want American football? I think it starts in the home. It's about traditions. and You're not you're not going to give them a choice, are you, Nicole? I mean, you have to give them baseball, right? You're going to force them Well, to I'll be like, no, no, I'll give them a choice. But, you know, <laughs> try to put it in the top. Just because American football, I think it's just, it's a health, you know, scare. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll that. watch the Super Bowl, but... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I did, I did reporting in American football, and what I would see there, a little kids, I'm like, Are you okay? And he's like, I'm fine. Her. And I'm like, Oh my, this little kid is only five, and he's, Yeah, I'm like, Okay. So it's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, you also do, oh, you know what? Before we segue into this, I do want to ask you. Uh, I've been seeing a lot on social media. They've been showing the different uniform uniforms. So I, oh, yeah. I do like that aspect of it. Like they're really pimping out the drip, right? And <laughs> some of these jerseys, I, I'm like, really? I, I, I feel like we could have gone, uh, you know, maybe been a little more creative, go out on a limb. I feel it's kind of safe. Uh, what were your thoughts on the Colombiano jersey? Well, that one I haven't, they took out a picture, but I don't know if it's legit or not because it oh, was, okay. oh, it's been, I know they took out only a couple of teams, not all of them. Uh -huh. But again, I think as long as it has the colors, people will rep them. You know, anything that has your flag, you might not agree with it. Well, it's like in Miami, people didn't like the colors, all oh, the colors, but then you saw everyone repping the jersey because if Fulanito has it, then you want to have the jersey. <laughs> <laughs> so I think everyone will have an opinion and I'm a fan of the simpler, the better. Yeah, uh, but I will let you know once I see that Columbia jerseys to see if oh. maybe I'll rock it. <laughs> All right, yeah, you let me know because I know they revealed the Dominicano one. They revealed yes. the, the the Mexico one, and I don't know if I would have gone with red. I I know it's. I mean, mm. they call us El Tri for a reason. So True. I I 
I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not feeling it. Maybe it's because I bought my green Adidas Mexico jacket and I'm uh, going to be sporting that at the WBC. <laughs> and now they're going to be wearing red. So it's like, come on, guys. I'm, I'm trying to color coordinate here. But I, well, I, you have I, a green one, a red one. Now you need to buy a white yeah, one. Yeah, it's more or money. Make your own white one. <laughs> there you go. It's capitalism all over again. They always win. It's marketing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I thought that that was a creative way of getting more attention to this, right? Because True. I feel I feel like you have podcasts, you have media covering this thing, where in the past, I, I feel like they really looked down on it and they really didn't spend time. And maybe it's just because spring training is barely starting, so there isn't any content there. But I just love that they're starting to get creative on ways to try to get attention to this tournament. Okay, Nicole, I want to segue because you philanthropy is very important to you. And uh, there's a couple mm -hmm. of things that I want to talk to you about. First of all, I, I want to talk about the game time foundation. What can, mm -hmm. uh, can you explain what that is to our listeners and to our viewers? Yes. Well, game time foundation, I say it's my, my child. <laughs> I celebrated its ninth anniversary a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's a nonprofit I began from, I say my passion for sports journalism led me to my purpose in life, which is to help children through sport. Um, so Game Time Foundation is a nonprofit and I collect sports equipment, mostly baseball, softball, football, and I take it for kids in Colombia. And during the pandemic, I also reached out to a family member who's in Honduras. So I got to go to Honduras and Puerto Rico as well. So it's been nine years, more than 3,500 kids. Uh, three countries, and I'd say about more than 5,000 pounds of equipment that have been collected and recycled and donated to kids in different um, sports teams of these countries. I think that's fabulous. How did you come up with that idea? <laughs> well, in Colombia, when I went in, at the end of 2013, when I first started my YouTube channel, I decided to interview uh, a Yankee scout from Barranquilla, Colombia, because I found it interesting, oh, a Yankee scout in Barranquilla. Mm. And from there, there was a little kid because he also coaches like a little league team. And I just approached the kid and I was like, oh, what do you think of your coach? And he's like, oh, yo lo amo. And for me, I was like, whoa, like for a little kid to say to love, I think amar sounds more powerful than I love you. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, porque amas al profe? And he's like, oh, because él me enseñó béisbol y, y tengo mis amiguitos. And I don't know, in that moment, what I tell people is he didn't tell me like, I need a bat, give me a bat. He just told me what he loved to do. Mm -hmm. And I came back, I'm like, like, Kim, there must be thousands of more kids like him in Colombia because if baseball is expensive in the U.S., it's more expensive in another country. So I came back and I Googled how to help people and it came out, started a nonprofit, and that's where I began this initiative. It's been the hardest nine years of my life, I say, because I, I put aside my career because I felt like I needed to do this. I felt I needed to be the voice of kids and it's a lot of work because I say if it's hard to ask for help for yourself, it's harder to ask for others and for others in another country. So it's been a nine years of growth, of personal growth, professional growth, because, you know, you cry a lot, you sweat a lot, you want to give up a lot, but there's always something that keeps me pushing forward. And it's just nice to see kids who I've helped. And now some of them are playing in the minor leagues or in the big leagues. So you're like, wow, you know, it's, one small impact can have in someone's life because they remember you. They're like, oh, you came last year or you haven't been here in two years. I'm like, oh, these little kids remember because it's just about someone giving them hope. I tell people it's not about the equipment you take. It's about supporting these kids who a lot of them are, you know, poverty. 
and they just want to play the game and they don't really understand a lot. But if, you, if a stranger goes up to them and tells them, I believe in you and you can do it, I think it can change their whole life. So I think that's what's important, the time that you share with these kids in, in these countries. I, I look. I, I think it's fabulous what you're doing there because I, I look. My father, Mexicano, f football was number one, but he uh, he loves baseball. And I, I always I asked him one time, how, where did you, how did you guys get into baseball? Because they they were poor, they couldn't afford any of the equipment. And he told me they used to get the old soccer balls. They would be they pop, and then they would rip them open, and they would use them as gloves. And wow. then they would knock over a tree or something and get the wood out of the tree to, to make a bat. And so to hear you, you know, come up with getting equipment, because, I mean, just think about it. Now here, travel ball is very popular in this country. You need a bat. You need a mm -hmm. glove. I don't know when the last time you guys have gone to Dick's Sporting Goods to buy a baseball glove. But you're going to pay at least even the cheapest ones are going to run you close to a hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. So not only do you need a bat, that's going to be more than a hundred dollars. You need a glove and you need a helmet, you yeah. know? And if you don't have the ability to do that, I wonder how many people just decide I I'm not going to play that sport because that sport's too expensive. Basketball, exactly. just give me a basketball. We all share the basketball. So the fact that you do this, I, I commend you. It's a very inspiring um, if we can help, is there any way that our listeners or viewers can donate to your foundation? Yes. Uh, I currently have a GoFundMe page and it's because a lot of people like to donate things, which I'm very grateful. All the equipment that I give is things that are donated. Most of them are basically new, but I need the money to send things over. So I have a storage full of equipment that I need money to send things over. So I don't like to ask for money, but I think nonprofits need money in order to sustain themselves. So that's something that I'm learning that I need okay. to, it's okay to ask for money. <laughs> hey, look, we, we want to help. So do, is it just going to your website or is there a website for the game, uh, game time foundation? Yes. I currently have an Instagram is game time found. And on the link, I have the GoFundMe page so you can go there. We also have a website, but I haven't linked the GoFundMe page there. I, I'm also like to keep up, keep up active on Instagram. And I like to always show reels, pictures and videos of where, I mostly show the kids who are receiving this help so people can see that it's going directly to the kid. It's not going elsewhere. All right. Fabulous. I, I want to segue now because you, uh, you're a hyphenate. You not only are you social media, you're a philanthropist, but you're also an author. You wrote uh, a children's book called uh, A Nine Inning Dream, Un Sueño de, de Nueve Entradas. What may, I mean, I, I feel like there's a theme coming out here in terms of children <laughs> are very important to you, right? Yes. I think also representation matters. And I think as communicators, we've seen a lot, like I mentioned through my nonprofit, I've traveled to a lot of small towns. I've interviewed a lot of players too. And I'm like, wow, I, I've seen where they come from. And not to take away from any other player, but from Latino players, I know where a lot of them have come from. And that's why when they make it, they're really, they, most of them still stay humble because they remember their beginnings, right? But there wasn't a book that showed that. And I had this idea for three years to write a children's book. I wanted to be about baseball. I tried to approach, approach players and that didn't work out. And then I would get frustrated and I was like in my couch like this. And then I was like, wait, but why don't I write a book? Why do I need to, you know, it would be great to do it on a, on a baseball player, but why not 
create something that from my experiences and from what I've seen, right? So that's when the idea began about eight months ago and I started writing. And then I'm like, I want to make it bilingual because I want it for kids like me who are born here and their parents are from Latin America or from kids who want to learn more Spanish or vice versa. And then a lot of the illustrations are about Colombia because I wanted to showcase that, right? A lot of people, unfortunately, you still say Colombia and they think bad things about Colombia. And Colombia is a beautiful country like any other country. It has ups and downs, but I wanted to showcase, you know, Barranquilla has el Carnaval de Barranquilla. So I wanted to showcase that. And, you know, it was like a, I say it's like a blend of things. I didn't, when I thought about writing a book, I didn't know what it was going to be. And I think it was perfect the way it came out. <laughs> oh, and where can we get this book? Yes, currently it's in Amazon. Um, Amazon is great for self-publishers. So everyone who wants to self-publish, there you go, KDP on Amazon. <laughs> and you can buy it on Amazon. It's $13.99 plus tax. And depending if you have Prime or not, you'll get it soon. So I wanted to make it pretty accessible to anyone to buy it. So, yeah. So there you have it. If you want to push your child, your young child, you want to start the training early to get them into yes. baseball, buy Nicole's book. Okay, Nicole, we're going to wrap things up. Oh, there we go. And there, hold it up there again, you Nicole. Go. There we go. That, we're going to do that. I'm going to show book. you one. I'll, I'll send you a sneak peek right here so you can see what I'm talking about, Columbia. So that's the main character. And what's his name? Diago. And it's in honor of my late paternal grandfather. His name was Cesar Fernandez Diago. So, you know, like I mentioned, it's also like an homage to my family, to, to a lot of things. So it's Diago, I think you have to not know. Sorry, go it's, ahead. It's Diago, not Diego, right? <laughs> yes, thank you. Some people are like, did you do an autocrat? I'm like, no, Diago. Okay, not Diego. <laughs> okay, so we're going to wrap things up. We're going to end the show the way we always end the show. Nicole, as okay. we said, this is a carne asada, and usually we okay. have carne asadas at kickbacks. So these are okay. our kickback questions, which are rapid fire questions. So gotcha. uh, first one I want to ask you is, when you do come to Dodger Stadium, because we understand you mm -hmm. have not been to Dodger Stadium yet, but when you come to Dodger Stadium, will you refer to the Dodgers as the Dodgers or Los Doyers? I think I would say the Dodgers. Oh, Nicole. <laughs> Nicole, they're gonna to you're totally gonna get identified. <laughs> you're gonna get identified as a tourist. People are gonna go, Oh, she's not from here. The okay, locals, so that's what you have to correct me. So I have to say Los Doyers. Yeah, you gotta say Los Doyers gotcha. here. And even the locals, even the even the hipsters who wanna really? be a part. <laughs> Go, hey, man, Los Doyers, let's go see the Doyers. So I'm just letting Perfect. you know when you come to, since you haven't so been if I get lost, here, So if I get lost, I'm like, oh, where's the Dodgers Stadium? They're going to be like, who's that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah you're, you, gotcha. you are lost. Los Doyers. You got you to gotta say, Doyer, ¿Dónde está Dodgers Stadium? And then, and then they'll Perfect. tell you. Lisa, are there any specific, what specific place do you want to visit first in L.A.? Ooh, there's many. I would love to see the Hollywood sign. You know, very music, like what you see in the movies. Um, there's like a, a place that has like light bulbs. I don't know. People go to take pictures there. It's like Staples. Well, I know it's not called Staples Center anymore. Yeah, we still Sorry. call it Staples, though. Okay, perfect. <laughs> yeah. you, if you say Staples, people will think you're from here. So, oh, perfect. There you go. <laughs> there you go. You'll be good. Um, also, because we're just ignorant and we don't know any better, we're going to do an obligatory Shakira question for you. Okay. Uh, Shakira, 
her latest video where she attacks uh, her her ex. Was she right or wrong for doing that? I think she's an artist, and I think her way creativity is how she works, and it's part of her job. And she's done it in the past too with different songs. She didn't say things that I think I wouldn't put in a song, but. Go ahead, Shaki. You can do your thing. Because if Bad Bunny can write about reggaeton and all this stuff, she can write about facturando. <laughs> okay, there we go. So Nicole <laughs> is basically calling Shakira Toxica. So uh, we have it on record there. <laughs> so we're going to do that. Can you also, while we're at it, can you just explain to me the whole Bad Bunny thing? I mean, he was at the All-Star, <laughs> the Celebrity All-Star Game out here at Dodger Stadium. Yes. And that place was sold out. And it was primarily mm -hmm. because people wanted to see because of him a yeah. bad bunny. and did you Are see you... him in the grammys i think yeah. what he did at the grammys was amazing i think i'm not 100 percent fan of all his songs because his lyrics are a little too much and to see little 13 year olds singing i'm like oh, you don't know what you're singing <laughs> but i still think he's very authentic and i think that's what has gotten him to where he is today he's he's he doesn't apologize for being who he is and I think he's breaking barriers and I think that's important nowadays for people to be proud of who they are and to see, you know, them bow in the Grammys. I got excited. I'm like, I'm not Dominican, I'm not Puerto Rican, but I was Latina. I'm proud. You know, <laughs> it's like the sense of that you can connect with him on, on a different level. And I think that's what music and sports does. So, you know, I don't, I'm not a hundred percent fan of his lyrics, but go bad bunny. <laughs> All right. Uh, last one. And this is what we're known for on the show. So we're here. We are about Los Doyers. We're about Los okay. Angeles. And we're about tacos here. And I, yes. <laughs> so here it is. So we need okay. we need to know what is your favorite taco and mm -hmm. uh, where do you go to get that taco? Oh, I like fajitas. You know, like I'm not. Oh, okay, Nicole, with... Nicole, Nicole, come on. They're, fajitas are not tacos. Bueno, pero, you know, here, okay. that's one of the plates I like, but I do like, okay. um, um, there's a really authentic Mexican place and it's just like la tortilla and the, the meat and cilantro and tomate. Uy, that's fire. What and cortontilla. Of... Oh, and there, all right. She just redeemed herself, baby face. Cortontilla, of course. Yes. We... I mean, flour isn't bad, pero it's just different when you're like biting into it and it's just, the juices are flowing. Yeah. Oh, this is so beautiful. <laughs> you totally redeemed yourself, Nicole. <laughs> that is the only choice. Tortillas de maíz are the only choice. Yes. I haven't said this in a while because it was controversial and it upset people. But the tortillas de harina, the flour tortilla is the oppressor's tortilla. So that, that that's the reason why we went with, with, with corn. corn. So like Nicole said, look, it has, you want to get a burrito? You want to get a quesadillo? <laughs> it's, a, a it's, it's acceptable. <laughs> But for a taco, you need a need. tortilla de maíz. Yes. So there are, so when we go to, I mean, I'm a stadium chaser. I have 17 okay. stadiums down. Wow. I have not been to, to the Miami Marlins Stadium yet. So when I'm in Miami, there is a place that I can then go to get tacos is what you're telling me. Oh, yes. There's different places. And there's like the authentic family owned. And then you have like the chain restaurants. But I like the Mexican food because wherever you go in the U.S., it's, it's everywhere. Like, mm -hmm. You know, people love their Mexican food. So that's what I think I like it. Another way to connect, like I mentioned, music, baseball, and food. So you can get a lot of Mexican food in South Florida. 
But Miami's known for Cuban food. So if you also need tips on Cuban food or Colombian, I got you. I, I want the tips on the <laughs> Colombian because whenever we have our Puerto Ricano brothers or Dominicanos on there, I want to know, I'm a foodie. And by okay, foodie, awesome. I mean, I like to eat food. I don't know much <laughs> about it. So tell me, what Colombian dish do I need to, to order? Mm. Okay, the thing is, Colombia has a lot of regions. So mm -hmm. there's different local dishes depending on the region. Where my family is from, Barranquilla, which is the coast, it's known for seafood. It's known for, they do arepa con huevo, which is mm -hmm. like the, the maíz molido, and they put the huevo inside. Um, they have arroz con coco. They have mojarra frita, which is a fish. They have a lot of soups. Um, but if you want like the, wherever you go to a Colombian restaurant and like the most typical dish, it's like bandeja paisa. That's okay. more from the interior of Colombia. You have your rice, your beans, your plátano, your chicharrón, your carne molida, and your egg on top. So oh. it's depending on your mood. You want sancocho or you want carne asada or you want the fish. It's up to you. <laughs> oh, man, my mouth's watering. So answer this real quick. Last one, and we're going to let you go. The sure. arepa. Is the arepa Colombian? Colombiana? Mm. Or is it de Venezuela? Now, when you mentioned before. Oh, did you see the attitude, baby? <laughs> you know, when they say Colombians and Venezuelans, that's when we... We battle ways with food because they're like okay. everyone's Venezuelans say la arepa is de Venezuela, Colombians okay. say la arepa is de Colombiana. Now they are made differently. I think the Venezuelan one is like um, thicker, has like more meat, more food, more sauces, and la arepa Colombiana is more simple. And you can have it with cheese or you can have it however you want, anything inside. But yes, that's when the, the lines are crossed. <laughs> so I say la arepa is colombiana, but to each their own. <laughs> and there you have it, Nicole. We want to thank you uh, for taking the time. I know we kept you longer than we said we were, in, but uh, well, let me cut you off and, really quickly. What we mentioned before, it's all about having a good conversation. If it was yeah. an interview, you'd be like, oh, five minutes. Oh, sorry. Thank you for coming. <laughs> Have a good day. It's all about having it flow. So if anything that wants, if anyone's hearing out there and wants to be study journalism, the importance of making sure it's a conversation and not an interview and being robots. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it's great. And like I said, you have an open invitation. I think you have be officially become a friend of the carne asada. <laughs> so... If you have any news, any Colombianos that you want us to, to promote on the show, mm -hmm. you're more than welcome to come back. Uh, where can they follow you on the socials? On Twitter, I'm Nicole F-E-R underscore. I mostly like to keep up there with like baseball news and all things like that. So I, I use Twitter for that. So you can follow me there. So Twitter is better than, than the IG. Yes, IG, I mostly have it for my nonprofit or for the books. Um, okay. I can also pass it on Game Tank Founds and MVP Books is for my books. So. Okay, yeah. there, there you have it. Follow her on the Twitters, guys, especially if you're looking for, for coverage in Spanish of Major League Baseball, Las Mayores, you can also follow there. A big shout out to Nicole, who redeemed herself with her pick of Tortillas de <laughs> Maíz. And we know that when she does come to Dodger Stadium, she will be referring to them as? Los Dodgers. There you go. She gets it. She gets it. Thank you very much, Nicole. Appreciate it. Thank you. Once again, a big thank you to Nicole Fernandez for joining us on the show. Uh, make sure you follow her, support her. Make sure you guys subscribe to the podcast and to our YouTube channel. For this episode of the Bleed Lows Podcast, which was presented by betonline.ag, 
Yo ha sido su servidor, Juan Ramírez, de parte de mi colega Babyface. Nos vemos para la próxima. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.